Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I'm still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. I am also very fatigued. Toronto International Film Festival, or TIFF, has now concluded. Good night, sweet TIFF. It was so much fun. I saw so many incredible movies, met amazing people doing incredible things in this industry, movers and shakers, and especially really powerful, wonderful women who are doing amazing things in this industry. What a blast these last two weeks were. I am very tired, though. I fully was aware that I'm no longer in my teens. I'm no longer in my 20s. I'm no longer in my early 30s. And I can't stay out very late, especially several days in a row. I am feeling it. I am feeling the consequences. I need to sleep for a year. <laughs> Anyways, it was so much fun. Totally worth it. If you ever get a chance to come to Toronto for the film festival, please come. Let me know if you're coming. I would love to meet you in person. Come see some incredible films made by incredible filmmakers all around the world. What a blast. My guest this week is an industry guest, John Stevens. John is an acting coach. He runs Act With Purpose, which is an acting school here in Toronto. He coaches both adults and children, but I think he's definitely known more so, especially within the Toronto industry, for his work with child actors. He has an incredible story. He's been through some very significant life situations. And he tells us all, and I really appreciate him telling me his story. He tells it with such love and joy and insight. Oh, you're going to love, love, love this episode. Please enjoy the incredible John Stevens. originally from Vancouver. So I was born and raised there. And uh, so my dad still lives out there. So we were out there for his birthday. Oh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. That's so great. So um, we have that in common. I grew up in Seattle. Oh, cool. And, yeah. So I'm a West Coaster turned East Coaster as well. Mm -hmm. um, but still a West Coaster at heart. I swear there's something about coming back here. And a huge part of it is the mountains. Yeah. I miss... You know, if you grew up here, like that was just a part of your childhood. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, you know, seeing that favorite toy, you know, yes. <laughs> from your childhood. I yeah. love coming home. And I think there's something about the air in BC. Like I know I, whenever I step out of the airport and I like get on like the Canada line or whatever to get into Vancouver, there's this like first like inhale of West Coast air. There's just something about it. It's like, I think it's probably like a mixture of like, oh, nostalgia, PTSD, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but just, it's just like, oh, ooh, that like visceral, visceral like hits you of emotions. And yeah, the, the, the mountains are just, yeah. You forget. You forget. Yeah. And it just, it, they, there's such a magical feeling, especially flying in and just like, you know, um, I know we have Blue Mountain, but for, for, <laughs> for anybody over here, you know, it's like, it just doesn't like compare to, you know, um, being able to go up into, you know, these mountains here and the incredible and fierce 
you know, uh, cliffs and mm-hmm. it's just fantastic. I, and so beautiful as well. I love sunrises here, uh, and sunsets. It's just beautiful seeing them go over the mountains. Uh, yeah. it's beautiful. It's, oh. it's really refreshing to be here. Absolutely. So I feel refreshed and now I'm ready to go back to work and, and go nuts again for a while. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So tell me your story. So how did you get into this business and acting instruction? Like, how did that hell happen? Tell me the story. Okay. So um, it was really by accident. Um, I was going, uh, I was in Miami uh, I had finished doing Peter Pan with Kathy Rigby in Boston. And uh, I finished this. It's a god-awful number. Uh, it's just terrible. But it's called Ugga Wug. And uh, <laughs> anyway, it was dropping to the floor and jumping back up and dropping to the floor and jumping back up. And at uh, the last day of that, I just remember thinking to myself, I don't ever want to do this again. <laughs> it's just my body was starting to, you know, it was just too much work and I, I could feel it. And it just wasn't, you know, I felt like I was going to injure myself if I just kept going. Right. So <clears throat> I stopped and then I really struggled. I didn't know who I was. You know, my whole life was built on musical theater. And anybody who knows me when I was younger knows that because I annoyed them constantly with show tunes. Uh, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a, it's a fun thing to kind of, uh, go back and, and think about that. But I finished that number and I struggled for a while figuring out like, you know, what, what is next for me? And, you know, do I completely leave the industry that like, that's all I knew. That's all I did. (laughs) Um, and so I tried to do a few other things. I tried to do real estate. I tried to do, you know, a few things I thought would make me, I don't know, more normal. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I was miserable. And then I saw an ad in a paper. Um, This is back when there were papers. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I saw an ad in Miami. They were looking for a substitute uh, acting coach for a school. So I went and I interviewed and I really was kind of shocked that they even would consider me just because most of my experience was in musical theater and not in really hardcore um, straight plays or TV or film or anything like that. But um, I was very connected. I knew how the industry worked. So I jumped into a class. And um, I don't know who the teacher was before, uh, but I was a sub. Uh, They couldn't be there for that day. And at the end of class all of the students went to the, uh, I guess, kind of like the principal of the school and said they didn't want the other teacher to come back. They wanted to keep me. And I was like, oh, (laughs) well, that's kind of terrible. Like no one feels good about stealing a job. (laughs) You know, it's uh, a bit cutthroat. And, but at the same time, honey, I needed that job. (laughs) (laughs) So I took it 
Um, and then within about four weeks, I actually stepped into um, a, a higher school administration role. Uh, and I kept climbing and climbing and climbing. And eventually, they're the ones who actually uh, got me out to Toronto. Uh, and so, um, yeah, uh, kind of it fell into it quite by accident. Uh, but it really felt like it was my calling and I love it. It feeds me my, you know, it's so different than performing. Uh, it feeds a different part of you. I feel like performing fed my ego mm. and coaching feeds my soul. And mm. so it's a diff- just a different sort of um, new part of my life that I've really embraced. And I, I'm so happy. Uh, it's the happiest I've ever been, really. Oh, that's really special. I think so. Take me back to what was the key? How did the th- musical theater start? Like, was that always a part of your life? Like, were you a theater kid? Uh, you know, it started with actually she's a, a well-known filmmaker, Annalise Ophelian. Uh, but she was a great ahead of me and she was a big role model for me, uh, when I was in high school and middle school. But when we were in middle school, uh, she cast me in this little musical that we did at like lunch, uh, <laughs> in the lunchroom, whether, and so it was kind of like a captive audience. Like it didn't matter if you wanted to see the show, we were there. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> gorilla theater at its finest. Uh, and, uh, so we did this show and I fell in love with it. I just loved being on stage. Um, I'm a, I come from a very musical family. My sister went to Berkeley school of music. My brother plays piano and sings and has a very musical family, uh, as well. Um, and so music has just always been a part of my life. So then the stage and the music just kind of like, you know, came together uh, and all of my friends, like if you were anybody in, in Seattle and Bellevue and, and that sort of area over in Seattle, where I grew up, everyone who was a theater kid wanted to be a part of the Bellevue Youth Theater. And so it was this big youth theater, huge productions um, and gorgeous and really, really did a fine job. And that's where I really started getting my first bite and my first training and my first love for doing it and uh and some really memorable roles from there too really just fun silly craziness that you know you'll never be able to play those roles again you know when am I going to play a singing golem (laughs) you know (laughs) you know (laughs) in my life but uh just such an amazing experience and I I think that experience with Bellevue Youth Theater really influenced me in how I train kids today. Mm. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of coming full circle. Did you go to theater school, like university or like theater school after high school? I did. I went to Marymount Manhattan College and it was amazing. Um, What an incredible program. Um, They... So, I mean, they kept saying their tagline uh, at the time, this was many, many years ago, but uh, their tagline at the time was that the the city is our campus, Mm -hmm. right, Uh, in New York City. And uh, it really was. I mean, Baryshnikov lived next door and would come over and, you know, speak with the dancers and, and that sort of thing. I mean, 
Kitty Carlisle Hart came and spoke to the drama department. God rest her soul. I mean, just so many. John Guare came and spoke. I mean, you're right there with everybody. Uh, and uh, it really was an, an amazing introduction into the entertainment industry. I did not graduate from there, though. I um, actually, strangely enough, uh, went right into performing and uh, was busy performing to the point where I was like, well, if I stop, I was afraid that I would never work again. Mm if I kind of got out of that groove. So I was actually kind of scared to go back to school. Um, but I did, uh, several years later, I went to Cornish college of the arts in Seattle. I had just finished doing, um, Follies, uh, with Stephen Sondheim at the fifth Avenue theater in Seattle. And I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe I should, you know, learn a little bit more. <laughs> and so I went back into the program and it was an amazing program as well. Uh, but then immediately again, the calling to perform, I, I left and went right back into uh, the theater circuit and didn't stop for a really, really long time. <laughs> do you think there, like, do you think it was a burnout like, I know you kind of like physically there was a burnout, right? Like if you're very, like that was sounds like a very active show. I can, I can kind of picture the number just from like my own, like musical theater background or just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or seeing like the VHS copy of that. Academy <laughs> Peter Pan. Um, let's minds. talk about how old we are, John. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, do you think there was a burnout there or like, what do you think was going on? If you don't mind my asking. I, you know what? I think you you hit the nail on the head. It is exhausting. Audition. I think that that's why I have such a compassion for uh, actors. Sorry, my alarms are going off. No worries. Uh, <laughs> but um, it's interesting to me that um, the burnout was also mentally. I mean, you're auditioning nonstop, and like I said, I think that's why I have so much compassion for actors. Is I know the incredible pressure it can be when you know like I need to make rent <laughs> I haven't worked in a while um, and you need those jobs and it doesn't happen all the time and so um, yeah there was a burnout and a pressure to constantly you know be auditioning or working and auditioning or working and I was very blessed. I, I, I pretty much went from one show to the next. I knew, you know, I'd be auditioning for something while I was in a show. And before that even finished its run, I knew what I was going to be going into. Uh, so I, I, I can't complain too much. I, you know, I was very privileged, uh, at, you know, especially with casting at the time. Tall, skinny, white boy, you know, I got uh, cast a lot. So I don't want to, um, you know, uh, put down that... I need to acknowledge that that was a huge part of my being so lucky, but I was very lucky to go from one, 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 uh, I mean, one thing right to the next. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I was busy. Um, but it made it hard to have a relationship. It made it hard to settle down and I kept trying. <laughs> That's a big thing that I know I talk about just like kind of, I talk about with people who had other jobs prior to switching to acting is where people see that as an advantage is exactly with that exhaustion, that audition exhaustion slash desperation that can come in. Cause like yeah. if I get like my, like 
science brain going and we talk about like the hierarchy of needs right like the lowest thing like you have to have everything lined up needs wise before you get to the top which is creativity and so and so like if you don't have all these needs like housing medicine you know breathing food food, right (laughs) security the, the yes. first thing to drop off is creativity, right. right? And so if you have that desperation because you're not financially secure or secure in, like, soul, right, that the desperation kicks in because, yeah, you don't – you need this job to provide for the baseline needs. And so people who have another career prior who've built up that kind of financial security, um, we kind of feel like we have a bit of, uh, a bit of an advantage with that. But on the flip side, there's the training and stuff like that that a lot of us haven't gone through and like kind of the innate business sense and also just time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you think that was that like part of it, that desperation piece, not allowing the creativity to go? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, but and, and I think that that's one of the things that I I like to caution my adult actors about is that that's when bad decisions are made. Mm. You know, uh, that's when people take roles that they aren't really that comfortable with. That's when people, you know, and to be cautious of that and to be aware of it. Um, but it is, uh, it is exhausting, uh, emotionally, the, the amount of rejection that actors have to deal with, uh, on an ongoing basis, willingly, (laughs) you know, uh, is, is nothing short of remarkable because it is, um, it is a toll, and most actors don't even realize the um, that they do absorb some of that rejection, even though they might think that they they don't. It does start to affect other parts of your life. You do start to feel that rejection carries over, you know. Um, and I think it 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 can affect so many other aspects of your life. Talk to me more about your switch into teaching. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. I just, I didn't realize, you know what? It was a, it was a big learning. It was a big confidence boost for me Mm. in that I didn't realize how much I had to offer in that arena at all. Um, and I think one of the things that, you know, uh, my students like about me is that I've been around so long and I've worked with people that aren't around anymore. And I have all these old stories and, uh, I share, you know, a, a, you know, some pretty wild and funny stories. And, and I think that that's a part of like them just being excited about coming to class is, I mean, we're all storytellers. That's what actors are. And so it's natural to, of course, incorporate my own stories into trying to make examples out of, you know, what we're talking about at that time. You know, this is why we do continuity and telling a story about that. And then, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, I think, uh, I, I didn't realize that it was going to, there was going to be such a draw and really I became kind of like a Pied Piper, um, for young actors and everybody wanted to, you know, work with me. 
a lot of my students then started to get attention from agents and then started to book work. And then agents and casting directors started asking like, who's this guy? Why are all these kids all of a sudden coming out of this one school? And why is it seem to all kind of be centered around this guy? And so my name started getting circulated in Los Angeles and uh, New York uh, and Miami. And um, eventually things just kind of grew from there. And I just, I mean, it was, it was shocking how quickly uh, things spread, you know? Uh, but I, I really, it, it was uh, such a huge confidence boost. Um, and I, I just love it. And there are students that I had, and this actually hurts a little bit, uh, that I used to train that are now bringing me their kids and I'm training their kids. And it's like, it's such a compliment, but it's such a kick in the pants, man. <laughs> oh, uh, but and to me, like, that's the, the biggest compliment is um, having people say, you know what? I want my kid to have that experience too. John gave me confidence. John taught me uh, different social skills or John saw me uh, when a lot of other people didn't. And I think that's one of the things that I love about what I do too is, you know, being there for my LGBTQ2S plus community um, because I had amazing people that helped me when I was younger too. And so to kind of be able to pass that torch a little bit and be able to reach that community as well is really special. There's something about, and, you know, I've done a lot of digging into resiliency and um, Mm. like childhood, not to get like super deep about trauma, but like childhood trauma as one of my, um, one of my academic things when I was in grad school. And the biggest part they find about resiliency in youth who've had pretty traumatic upbringing is to have one person, it just takes one person to exactly what you said to see them. And it doesn't mean like they've like been their therapist for years. It's just one person to just be there and be like, hi. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to just not need to ask questions or to make a lesson of it, to just listen and Mm -hmm. just to, just to be there and to accept whatever is happening. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been very humbling and it's been also a huge learning curve. Uh, just, you know, the things that youth are facing today are so different from, Mm. you know, uh, when I was growing up, it was all about AIDS. Yeah. And so that was the topic was, you know, if you were coming out of the closet, you were, you know, diseased or you could pass a disease and, uh, the fear around that. So the things that are around today are just such a different, thing and so elevated with social media and you know different ways of communicating but um uh yeah it's a really special part of 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 being able to work with kids um and it's i just love working with kids that there's always everyone because i grew up and i think every actor has a piece of this in their story i didn't feel like other kids Mm. You know, and it wasn't just the gay thing. I, you know, even the act, I knew I wanted to do something different. I didn't communicate the same way as other people. I didn't have the same interests. I was, I was a weirdo. <laughs> and, uh, and for the longest time, I thought I was the only one. And as you start to get older, you realize that everyone kind of goes through that phase 
of thinking that they are so different, right? And one of the things that I keep talking about in my classes is, you know, the things that are different are absolutely important, but we have so much more in common. And those are the things that bond us. Mm. And when we keep our conversations and our thoughts and our ideas, just focused on the things that are common and not worrying about the things that are different. It's just such an amazing thing that happens in class and, you know, keeps everyone on the level. Do you think, is that, would you call that empathy? Yeah, Yeah. I I think so. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, my childhood was very interesting (laughs) to say the least. Um, so, uh, I think, you know, we're we're talking about trauma and I have no trouble. I actually like talking and opening up about everything that has happened to me. Um, because I think that gives other people permission. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not about my story or anything. I think everyone has a story. So it's not like my story is, you know, better or anything like that, but it's pretty interesting. I think, um, you know, I grew up in the circus, uh, (laughs) going, uh, all the time with my grandfather, who was a part of Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. And that's where I started, uh, as a clown. (laughs) And I decided at a very young age that I was going to be a professional clown And, uh, (laughs) I started learning how to ride unicycles, stilts. Um, I did tightrope juggling. I took classes on how to do clown makeup. Uh, I had friends that would make, uh, costumes. It was terrifying. (laughs) I was every parent's worst nightmare, right? Like, Oh God, my child wants to be a clown. What do you do with that? How do you process that? Right. Um, I don't know if I was just prepping them so that eventually when I came out as gay, it like was like that bad or what? <laughs> um, but in any case, I wanted to be a clown. So they supported it. They bought me unicycles. And so when I started, uh, I actually still have the same unicycle I got when I was 10 years old. Uh, and, uh, And yeah, so I started doing all kinds of different like clown events in Seattle. There's something called the Seafair Parade uh, and they have the Seafair Clowns. And uh, so I went and my friend, uh, my neighbor and I went over and we won. Uh, We dressed up as clowns and we rode our unicycles around and, you know, everyone thought it was really cute that these, you know, two, like it was with, we were nine and 10 years old. Uh, you know, running around on unicycles. So they thought it was really cute and we won. And then we won the second year. We won two years in a row. Um, And then I started as an apprentice under a clown in Seattle. Like this is, this is my childhood. This is, (laughs) this is me at 10 calling Dino the clown, who is a very, very well-known clown in the Seattle area. Everybody knows who he is. Um, he does amazing birthday parties and just really is such a special human being. Uh, but in any case, I called him and I said, Hey, I want to be your apprentice. And he's like, what? (laughs) And he's like, um, okay, kid. Uh, can I talk to your mom? (laughs) Cause this is 
a little creepy, <laughs> you know? Um, so my mom got on the phone. They uh, set up some times and we actually had a couple of really big gigs when I was very, very young. Uh, we actually opened Nintendo. We were there for the opening of uh, the Nintendo uh, campus that was built in Seattle. Uh, and also did the, um, there used to be these big, uh, nuclear war protests, uh, and it was called target Seattle. And, uh, we were a part of that at the kingdom. And so we were right there with Conrad Bain from, uh, you know, different strokes and a bunch of other celebrities. Uh, and, uh, we performed and rode our unicycles and did all kinds of other crazy things. Uh, at the kingdom. And, you know, those are like, again, very weird, bizarre childhood memories performing in front of thousands and thousands of people at the kingdom as a clown, you know, when you're, when you're 11. <laughs> but, uh, but that was my childhood. Uh, and then uh, I think the thing that was the, one of the first things that kind of, you know, uh, started me on the path of being an empath was uh, my grandfather committed suicide. So the one that took me to the circus, the one that introduced me to all of this joy and this beauty. um, And all of a sudden he was gone. And as a child, I know adults often try to protect a kid and say white lies, you know, like, Oh, he died in his sleep. Oh, he did this. Oh, and then the rumors start. And then you start to hear a million different stories. And as a child, it was really confusing. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I think that that was the beginning of me kind of, I, I didn't stop clowning, but I wasn't getting the same joy from it. Mm. So I did start to kind of move away from that. And that's right when I met... Annalise Ophelian, and she put me in this really cute little musical in middle school, Highland Middle School, shout out. Uh, (laughs) But um, yeah, we uh, did this uh, really fun musical and danced around on stage and acted silly. And I was like, this is fun. I like this. I could do this. Uh, And I'd taken dance classes when I was younger and that sort of thing. So I thought, yeah, this is what I want to move into. And then I joined the Bellevue Youth Theater, and uh, some amazing things happened there. <clears throat> and then that was when um, my father died. Mm. <clears throat> and so that was also nothing in my life happens without a huge story. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <clears throat> my father was a pilot. Mm. <clears throat> So my father was a pilot. He was in the uh, U.S. Air Force for over 20 years and retired. Um, And when I was 17 and really heavily immersed in in doing theater, and uh, I was always doing it not only in uh, Bellevue Youth Theater, but also in high school and uh, wherever else I could find. Um, And um, he had his own plane and he was flying around uh, doing seminars uh, very much like I do now. Uh, and his plane went down. Uh, and so that was traumatic enough, but then they, um, couldn't find the plane. 
So uh, <clears throat> we waited. Uh, they found the plane. Uh, I think it was uh, the next day or two. Uh, no, sorry. They found it. It's, the story eludes me now. But uh, the plane later, when they found the plane, they had found pencils kind of in an arrow, like in the direction he had gone. So he laid, he had survived the crash and then he pointed, he was a very well accomplished mountaineer. You know, he had survival skills. He had been in the war. He was, he's fat. So he, he was a tough guy. Um, <clears throat> and so he must've started his way down. So every year, uh, after that, my brother and sister and I would go up to the crash site <clears throat> and we would hike a different way down looking for him. Hmm. And one day, uh, we were, uh, coming down off the mountain and we were decided to follow this kind of, uh, not really a river, but like where the ice melts and it kind of comes down. You can see it's just a, a little melting path. And <clears throat> we started to follow it down. We were getting kind of tired about halfway down and we stopped and there was this beautiful flat piece of rock and it was catching the sun. And it was really warm. So we all laid down there and we kind of fell asleep for a second. It was very, very peaceful. <clears throat> and then we got up and we started to walk down. And, <clears throat> excuse me, um, when we were walking down, uh, you know, we just kind of had a very peaceful feeling. It was a very nice little nap and all that sort of thing. Forgot about it. And then they found his body 10 years later. Uh, and uh, it was in that spot where we had stopped and taken a nap. And so that must have been where he did as well. <clears throat> so uh, my brother and sister and I have a very close bond. And we all went through something really, you know, uh, terrifying and terrible. Um, and, uh, so again, that was definitely something that impacted me and yeah. made me more of an empath and made me realize that, you know, things aren't permanent. You have to, you know, take it one thing at a time and, and be really careful and understand that, you know, uh, people won't be in your life forever. Your life story is incredible. And I mean, Thank incredible, you. not in like the, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it, it was um, it was a pretty traumatic thing, um, uh, and obviously it affected not only me but the entire family, and really um, it affected the community. I have to say, my my friends, my school, um, church, everything it really came together for me uh, and made sure that I was okay. I was also part of a youth group at YES Youth Eastside Services. Uh, in Bellevue. Um, and uh, everyone just came together and really enveloped me with love and support during that time. Uh, and also, I think that that's where I really started to fully understand the value of my acting training. And what I mean by that is that having gone through those experiences, I think there was an opportunity where I could have cracked, <laughs> you know, more than I already have. Uh, but uh, I, um, I was really fortunate to have done a lot of sense memory work and have had already worked. I was, um, I worked with Eric Morris 
and I was his youngest student. And uh, uh, I remember <clears throat> going in uh, again, newspapers. This is a thing, people. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I found this ad in the Seattle Times. And they were advertising for a class that he was going to be doing, a two-day workshop. And at the time, it was something like $325, which you have to understand in the 80s was like saying a thousand, five hundred, nine hundred, whatever, you know, dollars. It was, that was a lot of money, you know, for two days of training with, with somebody. So anyway, I, I had read one of his books, No Acting, Please. And I was just so hooked on what he was saying that I really wanted to take this workshop. So I called the number uh, and I say, hey, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure I have a spot for your workshop that's coming up. Oh, yeah, you know, uh, no problem. So tell me a little bit about your acting experience. I'm like, well, I just finished the school play and I did this. And it, whoa, 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 wait, 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 how old are you? <laughs> So again, me calling adults totally inappropriate, right? <laughs> there is a theme here. <laughs> um, so uh, I said, well, I'm 13. He said, oh, I, I, I don't work with kids. And I said, well, you're going to work with me. And he said, yeah, well, yeah, that's a nice try, but no, I, I don't work with kids. It's impossible. I'm sorry. And I was like, look, I really want to do this. And he said, look, we're going to be talking about adult things. Like there's just no way anybody's going to feel comfortable having you in the class. You might feel comfortable, but they are not going to feel comfortable. And I said, look, I am an exception to the rule. I want you to do this. Let me come to the, I'll pay the fee. Let me come to the morning of the first day. If after that first break or whatever it is that we have, you don't think I'm fitting in or if people are, are feeling uncomfortable, get rid of me. I will, I will walk away, keep the money, but at least let me have the opportunity to show you what I can do. So he was like, I can't believe I'm negotiating with a 13 year old, <laughs> but okay. Sure. Kid. <laughs> So uh, I went in and first of all, I was very tall for my age and no one really batted an eye. Uh, so I didn't look my age. So I think that that helped. Um, and then I certainly didn't act my age. I'd already had, you know, uh, a pretty deep emotional uh, connection to uh, everything that was happening in my life. So uh, <clears throat> getting to that point was, uh, was not a, so much of an issue. So, uh, in any case, working with him, uh, we did sense memory. Uh, that was my first introduction and learning how to talk about our emotions, recall certain things, different senses, our sense of smell, our sense of hearing, sense of touch, uh, sense of taste. Sometimes people associate certain things with a certain food, uh, good memories and bad memories, uh, and, uh, really tapping into all of that. And I found it so exciting. And that's when I got hooked. Uh, and I started reading every book I could find, uh, not just his, but every book I could find on acting. Uh, it took many, many more workshops um, and really um, 
uh, embraced his his way of of uh, approaching acting. But those skills, that introduction to an emotional world that is inside you that a lot of people never tap into was so critical for me to have made it through those experiences. Mm. Um, And so I am so thankful that I did have acting and I tell people all the time, I tell my students acting saved my life quite literally. And so when I coach, I do keep that in mind and I do understand the power of acting and what it has to offer. And I think that that's one of the things that excites me about working with people is, um, you know, reconnecting with that part of it is so much fun. And that's the other thing um, that I think people forget about the joy of acting. Mm. They get so wrapped up. And we were talking about this earlier with the creativity and, you know, does that squash it? Right. But yes, absolutely. Um, and I have so many actors that come to me and they're like, they sit in class and they're just ready for it to be like any other acting class. <laughs> and then they're like, Oh, Oh wait, we, we're doing it again. We're, we're up on our feet. Okay. We're doing something. We're, we're interacting with each other, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and suddenly we're building a community and we're talking and we're opening up. And I think that that's one of the things that, um, you know, I had those experiences and I want to pass that on because it should be fun. Yeah. Right. I mean, the only reason any of us should be doing this is because it brings us joy. <laughs> And we forget about it. And it's the most important key ingredient. Yeah. Do you find, so you had two very pivotal life experiences at a young age that I think a lot, I'd say the vast majority of young actors that you probably see through your doors have not had, right? Like that's a, you know, like as an aside, I remember feeling kind of, selfish even as an actor using some of the life experiences and traumas that I've had because I'm like, Oh, like I feel like I'm at an unfair advantage because of the life that I've had. But then like that also being like who I am as a person and like builds the, I can build characters because I have had these experiences. How do you teach that to say someone who, has not gone through something like that, especially kids. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing is that it takes opening up. It takes mm. um, all, it takes a village, right? No one person reaches enlightenment alone and no one person reaches success in acting alone. Yeah. Um, it takes a village. And uh, I think that that's the one thing I've tried to echo over and over again. We're all so much stronger if we work together rather than against one another. And um, so in any case, uh, yeah, I think that the, the fine line is, is exactly what you said, focusing on the fun um, and making sure that people don't forget that joy and focusing on the process. So even if you don't have the same emotional vocabulary that somebody who has been through a traumatic experience might have, 
Your vocabulary is still your vocabulary. Who you are is still who you are. And what I find when I'm working with people who haven't experienced a lot of trauma per se is that there is still the room for growth through conversation. And um, I was actually just talking to a parent about this uh, recently um, at one of uh, uh, my workshops. And I think one of the things that makes me a little bit different as a coach is I also talk about morals and I try to get people to think about what kinds of roles they wouldn't want to have now so that you aren't thinking of it on the spot, on the fly, and then making a decision you later regret. Hmm. So I have people really take stock of, you know, what it is that they, you know, feel good about and that sort of thing. In doing those kinds of exercises where you are diving in, you are thinking about how will this affect me, hearing how it's affected the person next to them, hearing what the person beside them has been through, you don't have to have been through those experiences to not be able to imagine. Uh, and I think that most actors are kind of built this way, not all, but most, they do kind of immediately kind of put themselves in that person's shoes and try to imagine what that would be like to process. But the hard thing with that is everything is relative, um, <laughs> kind of a pun, uh, because you know, not everyone has had the same experience. You know, if I lose my grandmother and I'm devastated, might not be the same as somebody else who loses their grandmother and she was a terrible human being, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so we all have our own experiences to draw from, but by still focusing inward, by focusing on the experiences you have had, even if they're all great experiences and understanding uh, the privilege that we've talked about, understanding the those experiences and understanding them in a context with other people in a room, um, then I think that that's where empathy starts, is not necessarily through experience. I think it can start through conversation. Mm-hmm. The other flip side to that, is, as you can imagine and you know, is getting people to feel comfortable opening up. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Um, that's one of the reasons why I share a lot of my stories is I want people to feel comfortable. If you don't feel comfortable in acting class, how are you going to be feel, feeling comfortable on set? Mm-hmm. And so I really want my studio to have that feeling where people feel like they can walk in and feel welcome and feel heard and feel themselves and feel ready to tap into, like we said, into that creative side that so often gets surrounded with so much angst Mm -hmm. and so much pressure um, and really trying to create a positive space. Do you have any advice for anyone who is interested in pursuing a career in acting or starting to do more acting after a first act, after another career or life? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, because I feel like my second act was coaching, you know? And so I really do identify with that sort of change. Mine is just flipped, right? I did the acting first and now I kind of made the change afterwards. Uh, whereas most people are kind of, you know, uh, I was in real estate. I was in this, I was in that. I did what my parents told me to do. I went to law school. (laughs) 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 Right. Um, and, uh, 
So I think that there's still an understanding and a sensitivity to that. Um, and it is scary. Um, it can be costly, uh, especially if you don't know who you're ta- dealing with and, and what you're, uh, you know, uh, walking into. It can be, um, it can be hard to figure out who's who. You know, I think the I think the myth, the big childhood myth that was ruined for me was I thought, oh, there's so much politics in corporate America. I don't want to go into that. I'll go into the TV and film industry <laughs> where there's no politics. It's, it's just, just art, art right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> not so much. Uh, and so, um, but I think as I've gotten older, I've just kind of started to embrace the rumors and embrace the cattiness and embrace it and just kind of, you know, you have a choice in life. You can either react or you can just move on with your life. And it is so much happier just moving on with your life and not worrying about all the, uh, nonsense around you. <laughs> Do you notice a difference between, because I'm assuming you have seen actors from all walks of life, right? So starting Mm. when they were four, starting when they're 40, do you notice a difference between actors who've gone the traditional theater school route and are now coaching with you um, versus actors who have not and say gone through a non-traditional way to um, transition into acting? (sighs) Um. It's tough. I, I feel like there's kind of like, there's, uh, there's kind of, there are several different routes. There's no, and I think that that's kind of the hard thing when I'm talking to parents. I even was talking to some parents last night and they're like, okay, so what is the exact process? <laughs> I'm like, there isn't one. There, there, is, there are no rules. Every casting director has their own way of doing things. There is no one route to go. Uh, which program should I be a part of? Should I go do this? Should I do this? And I tell them other acting schools and other acting coaches to make sure that they get their names on their uh, resume and that sort of thing. And, uh, and uh, they're always shocked. And they're like, why are you telling us to go to other people? <laughs> I'm like, well, because I'm honest and you need to have these other people on your resume in order to really have a fully rounded idea of what is happening in the industry. I'm just one small cog. You need to have a lot of other people to kind of help make this machine work. So uh, in any case, um, I, uh, I think that the, the theater schools give you such an advantage in terms of technique. Mm. Um, the script analysis that I learned at Cornish College of the Arts from Timothy Piguet. Hi, Timothy. Uh, <laughs> uh, was so mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, it opened me up and it made me appreciate language more. It made me appreciate writing more. It made me appreciate acting more. And it came from the script analysis and really seeing the inner workings, the guts of some of the most incredible screenplays and some of the most incredible stage plays. Um, and he really introduced and gave me that love for the text. And so um, there is that intellectual 
technique base that people who go through theater school have, mm-hmm. right? Now there's the other side where people who just started when they were a kid jumped in. They have a resume a mile long. They everyone knows them. Uh, they walk through the door. They've taken a class here or there. Um, I end up doing a lot of those classes. A lot of times, people after they've kind of started to you know book, they're like, uh, "We should probably learn what we're doing." <laughs> and so people will come knocking on my door, uh, but um, those people, I mean, they also have a different sort of wealth of experience because again I never try to put down or make my experience more than somebody else's experience we all just have different stories different experiences and that's why the film industry does so well is because we like stories so I wish we could see that in one another as much as we see it on the screen but that's another topic Um, but in terms of those people with those life experiences I mean not many people my age even know who Maxine Andrews is, number one. But number two, had the opportunity to sit with her, hold her hand, uh, learn all about her life, watch movies that she was in with her, sitting by your side, um, you know, and talking about, oh, this is a funny part coming up. What you don't know is uh, Bob Hope did this behind the scenes. Uh, and like hearing those stories firsthand from legends, when I was 19, 20 years old, like I, it was just an insane amount of success very young. And I wish I had appreciated the people that I was around a little bit more. I still loved them and appreciated them. And I knew it was a huge honor, but I didn't understand what an honor uh, it was to be in their presence. Um, so there's those both, there's both sides Right. And I think that that's what makes me kind of this weird animal is I've had a little bit of that base, that intellectual stimulation and uh, instruction and guidance, and especially in terms of script analysis and and also in terms of acting and speech and, and, and uh, it, those other areas as well. But really, the thing that I walked away from uh, at Cornish was absolutely the most amazing uh, love for the text. Uh, and then there's the other side where the life experiences, I feel like those have really helped me understand other actors and what stage they're at in their career. Uh, and also, again, that empathy for, you know, the young child who's coming here and is going through a tough time. And this is the one place where they feel like they can let their emotions out, whatever they are, uh, where they can be silly and no one's going to judge them. Uh, where they're not afraid to laugh and also where they're not afraid to cry, you know, and, and talk and have support from their peers. Um, so yeah, I think there's, there's advantages to both. Do you have any favorite stories from your time as an acting coach? Oh my gosh. There's so many. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story and then I'll tell you something heartfelt. Okay. I think the most terrifying moment I had, and I haven't told this story to a lot of people, so this is going to be fun. Uh, I, um, so I worked with Ray A. Black back when he um, was first cast on Degrassi. Mm. And at the time they started looking for casting, was going to be casting a sister for him. Well, the sister was getting a lot of attention uh, for being known for giving oral sex. 
fantastic storyline. Thank you. <laughs> and um, so one of the girls who was also under my umbrella and I was coaching was up for this role. The mother comes in with this script and they had booked a private coaching. She puts the script down and immediately leaves. So this is like, it, she had never emailed it before. So I hadn't seen the script either. So she gets in, puts the script down and then walks out the door and leaves. And I look at this girl and I'm like, what is going on? I open up the script and I start to read what the context and what the storyline is. And I'm like, oh dear God, I am now left in a room with a 13 year old girl and adult material. What do I do with it? Yeah, it was absolutely terrifying. So I called the mother and I said, um, you know, <laughs> you put this down and you left. Do you understand the context of it before I begin? Yes, that's why I left. <laughs> so <clears throat> here I am with a 13-year-old girl uh, and this script that alludes to certain things. And so the first thing I did is I said, I said, I won't say who, who the actor was, but I said, do you understand the script? And she looks at me and she goes, I'm in public high school. Of course I do. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so we don't have to have a talk. And she's like, she's like, oh dear God, no. It was probably the most uncomfortable moment I have ever, ever had I've had a few but that was probably one of the most uncomfortable moments <laughs> in my life um so absolutely terrifying like how like and I, I've often wanted to write that scene <laughs> yes. you know just for a sketch comedy show it's just because it, I mean if you could have seen my face as I was reading I am sure I looked like you know Saturday Night Live uh so it was it was fantastic um, <laughs> um but on the other hand i think the other thing that i wasn't expecting was uh i was working with an actor who had a learning disability and he wasn't getting very good grades in school was getting teased was being marked as being slow and that sort of thing. And I identify a lot with that. I had some terrible experiences in school myself. And um, in any case, he, um, he was really struggling, really, really struggling. And then he came to acting class. And what was so neat is that we, the way I taught him to memorize and the way we started to work with speech he wasn't terrified of language anymore. Hmm. And he worked past that block through acting classes. And I didn't understand, like that was a huge amount of power hmm. that acting had that I, I had forgotten about for a long time. And it just reignited that spark 
you know, sometimes, you know, as an, and I think any acting coach goes through this where they, they kind of, you know, they're on this amazing rise and then they kind of plateau for a while and then they amazing rise and then they plateau for a while. That client gave me that spark again. And I think is probably one of the reasons why I started reaching out to um, the uh, disabled community. And so, um, and it's one of my passions now is working with people who um, are, you know, differently abled and uh, it's fantastic. I am, it's really, again, it's just feeding another part of my soul that I, I, I didn't know how much joy it would bring me mm-hmm. until recently. And I've got to say, Janet, I am the happiest I have ever been because I finally am in a position where I can help people and, um, and not be silenced and, and be, uh, um, not have my time as constructed. I'm mm. able to do so much more now through the foundation act on ability. I'm able to do so much more through, uh, my school and that sort of thing. It's just really nice. So I'm in a really good place. I f- and I, it's, it's alarming, you know, like, it's like, oh, did I become an adult? Am I, am I okay with myself? Finally? Like, did I reach that? part you know we're all struggling we're all dealing with things but i i gotta tell you i am the happiest i'm the most centered and the most productive i've ever been in my life and i'm so excited for it it's um i wake up excited every day including this interview i couldn't wait to to be here with you and and to finally be able to chat um i love what you're doing i love that you're inspiring a very specific and often overlooked community. Mm. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that really speaks to me about what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I think what you're doing is so like, I would reflect right back on you, right? Like an often overlooked community, very specific community, but also just building a greater community with the actors that you've been working with. Right. Which I was just talking with someone earlier today about that, like that we have so little quote unquote control in this industry. And like the only thing I think I find where we can build a bit of control is to positively build each other up as actors. Cause that like mm-hmm. gives us power, which I know that word gets thrown around all the time, but like that whole like Moira Rose quote, when one of us shine, <laughs> all of us shine. Right. But it's true. Right. I think if we can constantly build each other up, that just promotes our industry in a positive light, promotes actors in a positive light and just stops the catty, silly nonsense. (laughs) Yeah. It it creates this whole wave of positivity and it really does change. It has an impact. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a shame that there are a lot of cutthroat kind of uh, instances. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Um, you're probably very young and probably don't remember, but there is. There oh, thank this- you. Oh, thank oh, you. You are. Saggy <laughs> uh, butt. But uh, there used to be a school, and I use the term loosely, in LA that didn't teach acting, but they taught strategy. 
And what they would do is they would teach you to go into the waiting room. This is before COVID where there were actual live auditions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, they taught you to go into the waiting room, find the person who looked the most like you and seek and destroy. No. Yes. And what, so they taught you these techniques. Are you ready for these techniques? This is terrible. This is what people were doing though, is they would teach you to go and find the person who looked the most like you because that's your immediate competition, right? So find that person and, oh, are those your headshots? (laughs) Those look great. I mean, no one would guess you've put on weight since then. I remember when people used to use that photographer. (gasps) Yeah. And say just like this little offhand remark, right? Um, oh, um, what role are you here to Oh, that's weird because that's been cast, but maybe they just needed a reader. And then people go, oh, man, that's been cast. Well, there's another audition across town. You know what? I'll go to that. So people were leaving the auditions and they were like eliminating their competition. It was crazy. Casting directors actually had to shut the school down because fights were breaking out in the waiting rooms. It was so bad. Oh Welcome God. to the eighties, people. <laughs> <laughs> you know it was what? A different time. I think the problem, <laughs> and I could see that with with social media these days, right? Like, hurt people, hurt people. Yes, and it's just like, but now we can do it. Not even in a waiting room. You can do it behind the safety of your stupid phone or keyboard. God, that's awful. You know, the, you know, anybody can leave a Google review. Anybody can do, you know, all those kinds of different things. And it's just, yeah, it's, uh, the anonymity is crazy. Um, anybody can, you know, create a profile and stalk you and all kinds of other craziness. So it is, it is a very fair comparison, you know, um, and I think that, you know, of course, me being older, I always do that back in my day. Uh, but uh, but no, I think that the, the troubles we had back then are just different. Yep. They're not better, different, worse, anything. They're just different than what youth are going through today. Um, but it still causes the same anxiety and the same issues and the same insecurities, mm-hmm. right? Which people prey on, unfortunately. Yeah. Do you have any final words of wisdom? You know what? I, I, I have to go back because I realized I didn't really answer your question earlier. You asked if I had any advice for older. And then I kind of went on a story and I spun out of control. Welcome to my ADD. It's that was a fascinating beautiful. roller coaster. Uh, <laughs> um, but in terms of my advice is... Really take stock. I think the number one thing anybody needs to do is why do you want to act? Hmm. If you can't answer that question, you lack any sort of direction. And so the one thing I tell people is I can't teach desire. That has to come from inside. And if you don't understand that desire, why do I crave telling stories? Why do I like becoming different characters? Why do I like diving into uh, a script this way? 
why do I want to still keep going out and subjecting myself to rejection over and over and over again, right? If you don't understand why you are putting yourself in this very bizarre industry, then you're going to have a really hard time. So the first thing you need to do is, again, look inward. Why do you want to be an actor? And if it's for vanity reasons or to get revenge or to show somebody that, you know, I am somebody or all those kinds of things, look, acting might give you a confidence boost. It might help you work on some of those things, but it's not the right reason to go into something. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to take stock, you know, and really fully understand. If you don't understand yourself, you're going to have a really hard time selling yourself to other people. Hmm. Right. And I think that's the big thing that actors um, tend to be is people pleasers. They're trying to be what somebody else wants. Right. And the authenticity and the joy and the bookings uh, come from when you just let go of all that stuff and you're just real and you're just you. And you're just in that situation or in that, you know, uh, position and you aren't trying to perform. Right. Um, and so understanding that inner self, understanding that drive and desire, that's core. If you don't understand that, it's going to be really hard to tap into all of the multitude of other emotions that come out of that. If you don't understand that first. So that's my best advice is, uh, you know, do some journaling. I love, I'm sure it's been talked about on your show a million times, the artist's way, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, book is life changing. It's a bit of a cult, <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah. lie. <laughs> but <laughs> it's also fantastic yeah. and it does bring breakthroughs if you actually do the work. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I also, most actors, and you know, this Janet, that, um, most actors, don't want to do the work mm-hmm. and it's hard to see that. And then they slow the people who are trying to do the work down. Mm. And so finding that balance of trying to make sure you're open to everyone, but also make sure we're feeding and nurturing, uh, you know, the people that are really taking that extra step forward. Do you have in your, in your school, like a recommendation for where people should start should they start with private coaching? Should they start with classes? What do you, what are your thoughts? You know what? I, when somebody wants to really like invest and start to make a go of this, um, I always think that just starting with a private coaching and sitting down and mapping out an action plan of figuring out what the next steps will be is always a really great idea. Then we can put you into class, a class that makes sense for whatever your goals are. Cause again, you know this, there's no rules in this industry um, and no one has that one path, right? So um, I do have people that come to me with varying experiences. Right now, I have a lot of people who have been acting for a while coming to me and not getting the coaching for the audition, but really getting the coaching for being on set. So before Mm. they're going to set, they're coming and working with me on the script analysis. They're working on me uh, with me on the scenes and then they're going to film, mm-hmm. um, which is exciting as a coach because now you're not just doing audition coaching. Now you're doing performance coaching, which is 
a slightly different sort of technique and angle to kind of uh, jump into. So uh, I love that I'm being, you know, as I'm getting older and as my students are learning, I'm actually, you know, growing and expanding my experience and knowledge base as well, which is, you know, you know, I think the myth is that we all stop, you know, once we get our, you know, education, it's like, it's done. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly learning every day. So, um, I think that by having a quick one-on-one is a really, really smart idea to figure out what that path is and then going from there. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the only other thing I want to say is thank you again for what you are doing Aww. because I think it's really special. Um, you know, I, I, and speaking from my own experience, I think that people um, that are kind of in that mid range of age go through a phase of feeling invisible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're not quite a senior. You're not quite, you know, going out clubbing, <laughs> you know, until all the wee hours of the night. So you're kind of in this weird, you know, um, uh, limbo uh, and sometimes it can be frustrating, you know, you, you, it's so I think that what you're doing to include a very specific, uh, community is really awesome. And I think that you're really hitting, um, uh, a group of people that needed this. So, uh, congratulations to you. Thank you. That really means a lot. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, John, for being my guest this week. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your insight into the acting world, into the acting coaching world. Oh, you do so much good for actors in our community, especially those of them who are we, the child actors in our community. If you're interested in figuring out if John is the right coach for you, definitely touch base with him and his crew over at Act With Purpose. All the information is in the show notes below. I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye!